You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Reynolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. NFL draft starts Thursday with several Huskies to be picked. Jacob Eason expected to be the first Husky player off the board. First round, second round, third round, fourth round. We've seen it all over the board. We thought we would touch bases with you guys, break it all down a little bit. Mock drafts everywhere. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with Jacob Eason. Um, interesting, interesting guy, you know, just – we always see so much. I'm talking to my NFL guys. They say, don't believe everything you read because a lot of the newspaper guys, a lot of the radio guys and all the guys in the media are being fed stuff by agent coaches, general managers, front office people. So as much information is being out there, there's also a lot of misinformation out there. And Scott, we've seen this before. You've been covering NFL for a while. You've seen it where guys are just floated and not floated and all this other stuff. But what do you think is really going on with Jacob Eason? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think he's probably a late second, early third round kind of guy. Um, you know, I've seen some mocks all the way up into the, into the very beginning of the, of the second round. I think probably mid to late second round is probably his sweet spot, possibly into the third. But really for Jacob Easton, it's going to be about finding the right opportunity for him. And, and I really hope he's able to find a place. There's been some predictions to Indianapolis, some to Tampa Bay. Well, that would put you behind to one definite future Hall of Famer in Tom Brady in Tampa Bay and one very likely Hall of Famer in in Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. And I really like the opportunity for Jake to sit for a year or two, maybe even three, and depending on how long those guys are there and and just – watch and see how to how to run a team and all those different things and learn from them and their tutelage and then be able to take over kind of like what Aaron Rodgers did for uh, Brett Favre so that's my hope for him is just to find the right situation because right now there's a lot of questions about his ability to read defenses to do the things that he needs to do he only got an 18 on the Wonderlick. you know not that that's the end-all be-all for everything but it shows that a lack of processing things quickly. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see, but I, I like him late second, early third. And Scott, you take a look at what's going on out there. And I talked about the information available on Jacob Easton. What's all the love with Jordan love, you know, from Utah state, how is he different than Jacob Easton? Well, I haven't done a ton of scouting on, on the, all of the other quarterbacks, but uh, you know, love is a guy who, scouts have just fallen in love with no pun intended you know because of his size his arm his moxie what he's able to do with the ball you know just all those different things and I just think that when it comes down to it it, it a lot of it depends on how these guys interview and and talking to the coaches and and another thing that you got to remember is this has been a very very weird process for NFL scouts and and scouting departments and trying to figure out who they want because they're not able to meet in person with these kids other than what they met with them at the combine and you know I think the combine really helped Jordan Love quite a bit and um, you know Washington's just going to have to 
or Washington, I'm sorry, Jacob Eason is just going to have to kind of wait his turn and he's got all the tools. He just needs to put it together on the, on the mental side. Chris, Chris, you've known Jacob for a long time. Personality wise, uh, some, some don't like his personality because he tends to be a little bit more laid back and he's not all that fired up kind of guy, but he just kind of seems like a cool customer out there and doesn't seem to let a lot get to him. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it, it is how you look at it, right? I mean, you look at it and go, okay, is he passive? Is he just don't care? Is he apathetic? And then the other guys are going, yeah, but look at it. Nothing's going to rattle him. Nothing's going to phase it. Right. So which way do you want to look at it? I guess ultimately is how you, how do you have to approach it depending on, you know, what quarterback coach is, is at whatever team you're, they're looking at. And, you know, a lot of the conventional wisdom before the draft has Eason going to a team like an Indianapolis or a Tampa Bay that Scott said, I saw green Bay as well behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers. So those would be ideal landing places. Cause I think he does need to, to have some of that, that, maturity and some of that thing where you grow up a little bit and and really kind of understand the tricks of the trade because there's no doubt Eason has the best arm pure arm talent in the draft but he has to learn the other tricks and why not learn it under guys like Rodgers and Brady who haven't necessarily been the most athletic the most um, you know elusive guys out there but you know look at their stats, look at their rings, look at what they've been able to do in the league. So I would think he'd want to certainly pattern his game after those guys. And I know he did. I mean, I know Favre is another guy that he really patterned his game after a lot. But, um, you know, you look at those top five guys when they talked to you, you talked about Jordan Love, but you go all the way back to the to the first, presumed first pick in Joe Burrow from LSU, Tua Tagovailoa from uh, Alabama, and Justin Herbert from Oregon. Those are probably your five guys when you add Easton into the mix. And if there's a run on quarterbacks, guys, he, he could end up being at the back end of the first round. But um, I, I kind of agree with Scott that, you know, second, third round is probably where he's going to end up, uh, where he's going to end up going. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, I, me personally, from what I know of him, being around Justin Herbert a little bit, talking to Justin Herbert, I think it's going to, I think Jacob's going to surprise some people. I think he's going to jump up a little bit higher than some people think. I think there's some teams out there laying in the weeds, just kind of like what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. Nobody thought that uh, they would go after Russell Wilson and they just laid in the weeds. They didn't talk about him at all. And I think there's some teams out there that quietly really love Jacob Eason. Um, He's, he's got things you can't teach. He's got the height. He's got the arm strength. He's got that calm, cool, collective thing. And, you know, I don't care what the Wonderlick says. He's a bright kid. So, and also he's been put in some situations for some big time situations. And when I take a look at some of the other quarterbacks, I think Jacob's wired to handle the NFL. Um, I'm not sure some are, but uh, it's got, you know, this as well as anybody a lot of it comes down to the proper situation. And if you're not in the proper situation, it doesn't matter. If you get in the right situation and have an opportunity, if you have a chance to compete and you have a chance and you get good coaching, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I would say that for pretty much any level in any sport that you're going to find, you know, if if you're counted on to play a role that you're not ready to play, then it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out bad for you and bad for the team that – that uh, that took you and like I said in any sport you could be looking at that if somebody's looking for a number one starter and you've got all the arm talent but you've got the mentality of maybe a second or third or even fourth starter it's not going to work out well for you so um, I'd really like to see Jacob 
find the right situation, find the right coaching. If he does, I think he's got all the talent in the world to be one of the best um, quarterbacks out there. But, uh, you know, like you said, Kim, just has to find the right situation. Second guy anticipated him off the board from the University of Washington, tight end, Hunter Bryant. Um, kind of a lot of people are saying he's kind of a tweener. I think it, I thought it was funny when they were at the combine and they were doing the hand measurement. What did they call his finger, Scott? Do you remember what they called it? No, I don't. What? I thought they said uh, it was uh, something like his finger was mangled or a disfigured finger. So uh, evidently he had a finger that was going the wrong way. I'm sure that was catch from catching footballs from some of the guys. But Hunter Bryant, um, where do you see Hunter, Chris? Well, I think, to be honest with you, I mean, he's got a chance to go higher than, than Eason, but also could slip all the way down to maybe fourth or fifth round, depending on how he's been evaluated, generally speaking. And, you know, he's got a unique skill set. There's, he does things that you just can't coach in terms of his ability catching the ball, his ball skills uh, for that big a guy. And, you know, he's pushing almost, you know, I think he was two, I want to say 248 when he was there. And, um, you know, he ran pretty well, did all the tests, um, jumped pretty well. I mean, he showed off his athleticism, but he's just not the prototypical guy that seems to be the one that, that teams are looking for right now. They're looking for that Kelsey right now. They're looking for that Kittle. They're looking for that guy who can just dominate down the field but is a big guy that just happens to be able to run like the wind. And um, Hunter Bryant runs really, really well for his size, but he's not 6'5". He's 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two I mean, he, but what he does, he does so well. It's so hard to ignore. So, again, it, it feels like a broken record talking about all these guys, but it comes really down to fit. It comes down to what offense is, is going to be the offense that can really exploit what he does so well, which is get down the field, exploit mismatches with, with other body types, linebackers and what have you, outside linebackers, gets down seams. But he just he catches the ball so well, and he's, he's a guy that just makes plays. And how, how valuable is that in the NFL? Pretty dang valuable. So I, I think he could go anywhere from early second round, but he could slip all the way down to – fourth or fifth, depending on uh, how, how people perceive his injuries, how people perceive um, his lack of height, and, and maybe being able to get up and, and get after it. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard to tell. Yeah, and, Scott, like Chris mentioned, I think injuries are going to be a big thing, and looking at his medical records are going to be key. And I think he's one of those guys is going to be kind of that utility guy where he can go out a little bit wider. He can play in the slot. He can be an inline blocker and also line up in, uh, as a fullback. So versatility and injuries, I think, are going to be the key with Hunter Bryant. Yeah, and definitely on the plus side is his versatility, all the different things he can do, all the different ways you can use him. I, I see him as a, as a little bit more athletic Chris Cooley. You guys remember him from Washington, from a few Washington Redskins a few years ago, and um, guy caught a ton of passes in their offense. And I, I could totally see Hunter Bryant playing in that role. He was an H back. Um, they'll put Hunter in motion. I think he's a guy who can uh, give a lot of different looks and and find different ways to get open. And, but his his key is going to be can he handle the the blocking rigors of the NFL and in college he improved almost every year in that area and he's a willing blocker he's a he's not a guy who is reticent to do that but he's also 
I would say probably on the average side, as far as being a blocker, there, there were other guys who were ahead of him on Washington's roster as far as being in effective in that realm. But uh, yeah, I, his height is what really kills him because teams are looking for that guy who's six, four, six, five, six, six, and he's only a little over six foot two. So um, he's going to have to find like Jacob Eason, the right situation. But if he is, if he is, if he does find that, I think he can find some serious success. I mean, Marcel Reese is a guy who found success in the NFL. I don't know how long Marcel played in the NFL. It was 10 years, whatever it was. Um, I could totally see Hunter Bryant having that kind of a career if he finds the right, right situation. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Nick Harris, a lot of people say he's a little bit undersized. He's about 6'2". He's about 300 pounds, right around there. Um, is he big enough to play center in the NFL? You know, he kind of um, reminds me of when you take a look at what Seattle uh, Seahawks did this year when Justin Britt went out and they put in Joey Hunt. And Joey Hunt's about the same size. And um, he got manhandled at times by the big 340, 350-pound nose tackles. So... Uh, you know, Nick Harris is used to going up against the Vita Vea, you know, so um, we'll see how he does. But I know a lot of people like um, Nick Harris, Chris. They should for, for really good reasons. I mean, he's tough as nails. And again, you know, we, we talk about the, the physical toll that it takes on a guy like that and how he, he looked like he walked around like he's my age. And um, but the proof is in the tape, guys. And, and when you watch the tape, I mean, he is. He's like he just tweeted out last night. He's playing for keeps. He's he's taking this thing uh, legitimately, and I think he showed it at the um, at the scouting combine in Indianapolis in late February that he was prepared. He showed everybody what he could do, and yeah, he's not uh, your six five center. But I don't know. You know, there's a lot of guys in this world. I, again, another Kelsey, the one in Philadelphia, who who's playing there. I know a lot of people comped him uh, to Nick Harris and, and said that there's a lot of similarities there. So, and, and Nick said, he talked about it himself when he talked to the media out there too. So uh, there's room for a guy like Nick Harris for sure. And I think Joey Hunt, again, another probably pretty good comp. Um, although I think Nick Harris might be a better technician than a guy like Hunt. I think Hunt is just really tough and scrappy guy. And, and Nick Harris is every bit that as well. So um, I, I think the prospects for Nick Harris going maybe even in the late second round, I think are strong. I think there's some, some teams out there that may have gotten enamored with him and he's at a position where it's just not super easy to, to find a guy that so naturally fits that position the way that Nick Harris does. There are some guys out there, you look at it like a Cesar Ruiz from Michigan who people are even talking about going in the first round. He's definitely an interior lineman. And um, those guys, they can be worth their weight in gold if they fit the right system and and the right and get the right coaching. So I, I think Nick Harris is certainly a guy that could surprise. Scott, I think there's one team out there that's probably got their eye on Nick more so than anybody else, and they're just praying he's there when uh, they want to take him. What team do you think that is? Um, 
<laughs> I have no idea. I haven't. I I honestly haven't followed it that closely. I I followed a little bit, but who? Indianapolis. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why? Who's their offensive line coach? Oh well, it's Chris Strauser. So yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Chris recruited him, you know, former University of Washington offensive line coach. Uh, Chris saw something that a lot of people didn't see in him, and now he's in Indianapolis. And, you know, that's obviously – and we always talk about the situation. You know, the blocking scheme that Chris Strasser would be using back at uh, Indianapolis would obviously be a fit for Nick Harris. Yeah, I well, the thing about um, Strasser is I, I remember him uh, telling me when, when after he committed – well, not after he committed, after he signed um, – that – um, he goes, yeah, this guy isn't going to move the needle for a lot of people, but he goes, he's better than a lot of the linemen we already have on the roster. So, you know, I, I, he, he's a guy who just came in and surprised everybody by being able to start um, against, was it Starlo Tolele that he started against uh, his first start at right guard? Um, and down at Utah when Washington comes back and wins that game, he ends up starting against Alabama in the, college football playoffs and the Peach Bowl. So, you know, he's a guy who's just beaten the odds with what he's been able to do. And and uh, you got to love a guy with that kind of effort. Now, the the thing is, you know, we talk about, you know, that he's not, might not fit the size. You know, very, very few centers are much taller than 6'3", maybe 6'4". Most centers are on the squattier side. Um, but you know, they're able to handle those guys on the interior. And I, you know, that's the one thing, Nick, I don't want to say he struggled with it, but he doesn't, I don't know if he has that, uh, um, you know, the, the ability to anchor against some of those bigger guys, like you guys have mentioned, Vita Vea, some of those other big nose tackles that they have in the NFL. And, and, uh, um, but you know, Nick's an effort guy, he's a smart kid. And I think that's going to allow him to be drafted I think people are going to look at him and say hey we're going to we're going to take a chance on this guy and I think he's a guy who could stay in the league for 10 10 maybe 15 years maybe not be a a superstar guy but he can be a solid starter for a team for us for several years as he kind of um makes the way for himself in the NFL a, a, a career that nobody would have predicted coming out of high school when he only had Washington and then a few smaller schools Trey Adams at one time was listed after a sophomore year. He was listed as a possible top 10 draft pick. Injuries have really set him back. And, uh, you know, we're seeing anywhere from third to sixth round uh, Trey Adams. I think somebody's going to get a steal in Trey Adams, Chris. It's just tough to find bodies that big. Well, there's no doubt they're going to get a steal. But there's also teams out there that are willing to take the risk on the, on the physical aspect of uh, what Trey did because, he's you know, he's over a year removed. Uh, he played a full season healthy. It's all you can ask for a guy. And uh, again, you know, didn't have uh, like a, a world beater type season, but he did have a very productive senior or uh, productive season. And, um, you know, and it was really worth his while to come back and, and make it work because I think that was, uh, uh, he was able to put down a lot of great film because of, of what he was able to do this last year. So again, left tackles premium for the right-handed quarterbacks and 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 those guys in in their systems so yeah I mean you're right before the injury at Arizona State um, he was going to be the guy and uh, you know he he had absolute slam dunk first round written all over his face 
And so there is that talent, and it's still there. I think the thing that killed him, and you mentioned it with Hunter Bryant, Kim, it's the, you know, it's the recheck day at the scouting combine that didn't happen. It's the pro day at Washington that didn't happen, so he could have erased that 40 time because he had the worst 40 in the, in the combine um, prep and, the, and, and that thing. So, you know, those are things that people have to talk about and have to think about when they're drafting a guy like him. But, again, I think you've even mentioned it earlier, how many, how many GMs look at 40 times when it comes to offensive linemen. But look at his 10. Look at his 20. That can be just as indicative, too. So it, it's weird to think that a, a pro day may have hurt guys that went to the combine compared to guys that didn't get invited. But I think Trey Adams is a good example of a guy that could have used the pro day at Washington to really solidify – the reasons why guys would want to take him. And Scott, uh, you know, four years as a starter at left tackle in uh, high leverage games. And uh, he didn't seem like he was fully recovered this year, but he seemed to get stronger as the year went on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. He, he looked so, so for the first, Oh, I'd say third of the of the season and then as we got later into the season he started to pick things up a little more now is that because you know Washington was was playing better talent in the first I you know I don't know um I but he did play better I know he played pretty well against uh Oregon he played pretty well against Utah uh the two best teams in the conference last season so um the, the like you said Chris the talent is totally there he needs to, he needs to, <laughs> I hate keep saying this, it's so cliche, but he needs to find the right situation. Somebody who doesn't necessarily need him to step in on day one at left tackle. Now, maybe he's, he's able to step in at right tackle instead and be a, be a solid guy there. I mean, Caleb McGarry came in, um, battled his butt off for, for uh, the right tackle spot at Atlanta and won it, uh, basically took it over in the second uh, game of the season and never handed it back. And, uh, you know, Trey Adams is just from a, from a talent standpoint, he has just as much talent as Caleb McGarry does, but his injuries have definitely <laughs> some of that athleticism. And, and I think that he needs to get some of that back, work with some trainers, work with some people about getting a little bit more flexible, a little bit lighter on his feet. And uh, he's gonna, I, I could see somebody taking him like in the, late fourth, early fifth, but I think fifth, sixth round is probably better for him. And the expectations won't be that high. And he can come in and he can kill it and then get to that second uh, contract, which is the most important contract for any football player. Again, keep an eye on Indianapolis with Chris Strasser there. He played for Chris for uh, a few years. And I know that uh, Chris really liked him. So keep an eye on in Indianapolis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another guy who, you know, in a uh, mock draft about two years ago, actually listed Miles Bryant as a possible first-round draft pick. Um, Miles doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the size. But the one thing he does have, he's just a football player. He makes plays. 
I think the probably the biggest thing that's going to hurt Miles is uh, he measured in under five eight at the combine. He's not the biggest guy, but you know, you put him in the right situation. Um, I think he could really, really thrive, especially in the slot. And uh, you know, we'll see where he goes. But Chris, you've known Miles for a long time. He's one of my all-time favorite guys to come through this program. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. I mean, he does have all of the things. If you take the physical parts aside, the things that he can't really control in terms of his natural height and, and whatnot, um, he's got the football IQ. He just has the general smarts. He has the instincts. And um, I think he could be very, very intriguing as a nickelback or what have you. Now, we know that as a nickelback, the farther he gets tested down the field, the worse it can get for him because we saw what happened like in the Fiesta Bowl, for instance, against Penn State. You know, he got he got taken uh, a couple times down the field. And um, so that that's a rough part of it. And that's certainly tape that that the NFL guys are certainly going to be looking at. But, you know, taking on balance, he is so good close to the line of scrimmage. And even though he's not the biggest guy, as you said, he's so quick around it. He can play behind the linemen and really jump up and cause some problems. Um, and again, he's just got a nose for where to be at the right place at the right time. And um, again, very, very, very intriguing. And, uh, got, if, you know, if he was a guy that was three inches taller, we'd be talking about him as a, you know, maybe first, second, third round guy for sure. But uh, um, I think he's a guy that could have some lasting power because he has some special teams ability as well. And I think that's uh, something that people don't think about in the, in the mock drafts and whatnot, but I know that's for sure what front offices look for. And Scott, he seems like one of those guys who's going to go into, into a camp and uh, just be one of those steady guys that just continues to make plays. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned that he wasn't the biggest guy and that is very true in stature, but he plays a lot bigger than his size would indicate. Um, I, I think he's that guy who, just constantly beats the odds in everything he ever does in his whole life. He, he did it with the Huskies coming in as a walk-on or in a scholarship and getting on the field faster than I think any freshman in his class. Um, and he's just, I mean, uh, other than Taylor Rapp really, but uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that you're just, you just, how is he doing it? But he just continues to do it. And I, he's a guy who I could totally see having a 10, 15 year NFL career you know, 15 years from now, as we're writing about former Huskies, you know, going through the contracts for everybody and, and what everybody's doing. He's the guy that I have a feeling I'm going to go, he's still in the league. I had no idea, you know, how is he still in the league kind of thing. And uh, he's just going to be that guy, I think, who hangs around and, and proves a lot of people wrong. And another guy who could be doing that is Aaron Fuller. You know, there's guys in the league that, you know, just don't do any one thing real well, except catch the football. Fuller in the right station, I think, could be a player in the league. I always equated to Dane Looker getting in the right situation. Um, there was a lot, a lot of guys not playing football that had a lot more talent than Dane. Dane was just in the right place at the right time and just seemed to make it work. That's how Aaron Fuller could make it in the league right, right time and just being that solid guy on the on the roster. Yeah, I, you know, he's a guy who was asked to play out of position the past couple of years. He's a better slot receiver. You know, Washington didn't have any guys who could truly play outside until the last year. And they didn't use those guys because they weren't practicing like they needed to practice. And we can get it. That's a whole, you know, discussion for another time. 
But Aaron was was playing out of position, kind of like Dante Pettis did the year before, where he became the one, number one receiver when he, he was really more of a number two. Aaron Fuller's better bet is to be a three or a four, go in inside the slot, use his uh, use his ability to get off jams and everything like that, and and his quickness, and to make plays. And I think he could easily become a guy who who is a thirty to forty catch guy catches. Kind of like what Bobby Ingram did, maybe not the same talent level as Bobby Ingram, but the same kind of guy where he's able to find the soft spot in zones, constantly catch first downs, be that guy that quarterback that his quarterback looks at on thirds downs to help them move the chains. Chris, uh, Jared started at left tackle. He started at right tackle. He's got the size. He's definitely going to get a look. Well, he'll get a look, but will it be as a late draft pick or as a uh, priority free agent? I would think probably priority free agent, um, but he is a guy that certainly came on, as we know, came on for Trey, Trey Adams when Trey got hurt, did a really, really nice job of left tackle and then moved on over to right tackle um, for last year and was rock solid. So, I mean, there's nothing you can say about Jared Hilbers where he didn't do a really, really good job. But, again, he's going to be just one of those guys that, that – you look at him, you go, okay, he's doing a job, looks great. Is he standing out? Is there something special about him where you would want to use a draft pick on a guy like that? Or do you feel like we can steal him as a free agent and, and do something nice with him as well? And, you know, that's going to be the question with a guy like him and, and also with Fuller. And, you know, Fuller was one of those guys that was funny. You know, you watch him work out in Indianapolis at the scouting combine does a pretty good job, didn't do anything really right or wrong, was just kind of another guy out there. And then you see a guy like Peter Schrager from the NFL Networks t- talking about him and talking him up and bigging him up and saying what a great job he did. So it's like, okay, what did I not see? What was I not paying attention to? So, again, you know, he's just he, – he, it feels like he's a dime a dozen guy because he, he doesn't have crazy height or crazy size or, or crazy intangibles, but he was a rock-solid – receiver Washington had some drops and some key moments we all know about that but he also made some uh, amazing plays so those guys are guys that I think are kind of right on the fringe we can talk about Savan Ahmed as well and and uh, Benning Potowai Chico McClatcher these are all guys that we expect some NFL team's going to want to take a a flyer on it's just a matter of whether or not they're going to get drafted or not Savan Ahmed get drafted Scott no, I don't think so. I think his 40 time was too slow. I think teams are going to uh, wait on him and bring him in as a, and, you know, we've talked about this on other things and just between the three of us that it's better. If you're, if you're past that fifth round, sometimes it's better not to be drafted. I know you want the the prestige of being a draft choice, but I think in the long run, sometimes it's better to go undrafted and be able to pick your situation. And that's going to be what I hope for Savon because he's going to have to find that right situation um, and where there's not too many backs in front of him, but maybe he's the complement rather than the lead guy. And and uh, if you're a draft choice, they they want you to come in and be that lead guy, or at least be able to take carries right away and and be start helping carry the load. And I just don't see Saban as that guy this year. I, I think his 40 time really hurt him, and I think he's going to end up being an undrafted free agent. Benning Patoa, I, I always botched his name for some reason. I got the yips with his name. What about Benning? Uh, I, I think Benning is probably a, a undrafted free agent as well. He's such a tweener. You know, he he isn't quite big enough to play on that on the 
with his hand down in the NFL. I mean, he can because he's about 280, but um, I think it's a small 280 if that makes any kind of sense. So um, I think he's a guy who, who uh, you know, probably will have to wait, find the right situation as an undrafted free agent. And he's going to have to show the ability to put his hand in the ground, but also possibly be a little bit of a stand-up guy too, which is what he did for a long time. But I think his, the way his body grows and the way his body is, I think he's going to have to be a guy who's able to take on, take on blockers and set the edge. And, and at this point in time, I just don't think – I just think there's way too many guys ahead of him that are going to get drafted that, that he won't. But like I said with Savon, it's, sometimes that's a better situation. Typically what the NFL teams do is you have the guys that are drafted and then you have your undrafted free agents that get signed and then um, they're limited to how many guys that they can have signed. I think it's a hundred. Don't quote me on that, but there's only so many guys that they can have. And then they will invite guys for a free agent tryout. Um, my gut says that's where Chico McClatcher is going to wind up, Chris. Probably. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately that, there are guys that really got shafted when there was no Washington Pro Day. And we've talked about, you know, Jared Hilbers, Benny Potoi, Chico McClatcher, even a guy like Savon Ackman, with Scott said with his 40 time, he could, he could have rerun that. I think Trey Adams might have been the one that really got affected too, uh, was one of the most guys that got affected because he had a chance to, to show guys up close and personal uh, the things he could do. So, but Chico is, is certainly one of those guys that, that's – he's intriguing. And, and again, Scott's mentioned a couple of guys where you look up 10 years from now and go, wow, how did that happen? You know, we just saw a guy like Dwayne Washington get uh, re-signed by new Orleans. Um, we've seen guys like, um, Josh Perkins. Yep. Josh Perkins. We've seen, um, Marvin Hall, you know, I mean, there are success stories in the NFL with Washington Huskies that maybe a lot of fans are sitting here going, he didn't have anywhere near the career we thought he was going to have when they, when they signed him and, you know, Chico again with the injuries, so unfortunate and, um, and some of the other things, you know, that he was going through personally. So um, just wish the best for all those guys. And, and especially a guy like Chico that we've known for so long. I, I remember watching Chico run before he was even at federal way high school and, and doing some things thinking this guy has a chance to be super special. And I don't think there's any doubt that he could be special in the NFL with the right fit. But again, he's got to get healthy. He's got to he's got to get confident. And when you see a confident, and healthy Chico McClatcher, he can do damage. Draft is at uh, five o'clock Pacific time, starting on Thursday, uh, then Friday, and then Saturday. So three days of the NFL draft. We'll have it covered wire to wire here at Dogman.com. Uh, Scott, anything else we need to catch up on? No, not right now. You know, it's we're, we're, it's all kind of draft right now. The recruiting, I don't want to say the coaches are taking the back seat with recruiting, but for me, it's it's all kind of focused on the draft and, and uh, covering the guys who are going to be drafted, and then we'll move on to pick up more recruiting stuff over the weekend, hopefully. Chris, anything we need to clean up? No, I, just, I would just add um, something that I think could be important when you're looking at a guy like uh, Hunter Bryan is, is just the idea that, how do, how do teams look at him in terms of special teams and whether or not he can be an impact guy there? Because if he adds value as a potential special teams guy, as a cover guy, as a guy that can help in the return game, that type of blocking, things like that, that could really be valuable. And if there's a team out there that believes that they can get uh, value at him in two phases of the game, 
that could be the difference between him getting drafted in the second round as opposed to maybe the third or fourth or fifth. So there, there are certainly some things when you, look at, when you look at Brian, when you look at Aaron Fuller, I mean, it's a shame that he wasn't able to really capitalize on uh, becoming a better returner over time. I think he had his moments, but when, you know, compared to a guy like Dante Bettis, it's hard to stand out. But if he could have really established himself as a, as a solid return guy, I think that would have really helped his stock as well. Miles um, Bryant hit in the return game or, or in the uh, special teams game, talked a little bit about that. I think special teams, it'll be interesting to see how some of these guys uh, are looked at. Savon Ahmed, for instance, too. So that's just something that I'm going to look forward to when I start uh, watching the draft and seeing where the dominoes fall. We'll keep you wired here at dogman.com. We have a podcast uh, with, had a chance to talk to Sam Heward. And you want to talk, you want to hear an impressive 17-year-old Sam Heward. Just, he's got, just think about the resources he has. He has his dad who played in the NFL. He's got his uncle who played in the NFL. He's got his grandfather, legendary coach. Uh, He's also set up with one of the best quarterback uh, coaches in the country down in Houston. I believe his last name is Hewlett. And, you know, when he's unsure of anything, he just called Dan Marino. Did you have those kind of resources when you were playing wide receiver? Could you call like Jerry Rice or anything like that? No. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) Interesting conversation with Sam Heward. And just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. HuskyStadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.